So how do we go from that desire of, I want to be like this versus no, I'm actually built this way. Yeah, that's so true. Again, I think that's something that's true for all of us. And, um, I've taken a lot of personality tests and, and, uh, strengths tests. And I, you know, I love those things. Um, but I would distinguish, um, you know, the kind of what you're good at or how you're wired, um, which is really helpful for understanding how you're going to run your business and how you're going to structure your time. Um, I would distinguish that from, you know, what I take people through in terms of branding is more about your values. So the goal in branding is to create the pillars of your brand, like what you're going to stand for. I've learned so much over this first year of podcasting, and I wanted to share with you guys the 10 most life-changing lessons that I've learned this year. So I created a document and it's on my website. What you're going to do, you're going to go there. It's going to be 10 life-changing lessons. Click on that button. It'll ask for your email address so I can email it to you. Sign up for it because these life lessons radically changed the way I viewed my life and the way I started living. It helped me to get better in the areas that I've so desperately wanted to see progress and growth in. And because I know they helped me, I really believe that they will help you. And I wanted this to be a gift for you guys. So I really hope you enjoy this gift. And go to the website, thewholepersonpodcast.com to get it. It's free. And I hope you guys enjoy and learn as much as I did from it. Susan, thanks so much for being with us today. Really excited to have you on the show, The Whole Person Podcast, because you are a brand expert. You know what it means to build a brand, to use creativity, to make it look functional and appealing. And I'm really excited to bring you onto the show today. How are you? I'm great, Evan. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Now we were just talking a little bit off camera. You, you're in Manhattan. You're in the epicenter of where everything happened with COVID. Glad you're doing okay. Yeah, it was a pretty wild ride and um, everybody's still a little bit holding their breath to see what comes next. But at the moment, things are pretty, uh, pretty good. Good. Well, glad to hear that. So Susan, you know, I wanted you to come on to the show because I am an entrepreneur and you're an expert in branding and building a brand, building awareness. And I was just really curious about what advice that you would have towards people who are towards the beginning of their brand building and what would be some of the best advice and tips to do that? Because not only, you know, do I have a business that I'm branding, but I myself as an individual in my own brand and most oftentimes we don't think in those terms. And so tell us a little bit about your background and, and where you come from and the ideas that you have that have led you to this point in life. And then go ahead and answer that elongated question I just had. Okay. That's a lot of questions all in one. Um, I'll start with your first question um, just briefly and we'll come back to it, I guess, throughout our conversation, but around, you know, where do you start when you're thinking about building a brand? And, you know, I think you made uh, already the excellent point that all of us, you know, especially in the world of social media and instant easy communication, we ourselves are building our own brands, whether or not we're actually entrepreneurs. And so if we're starting a business or we have a business, 
Um, the first thing to think about is, you know, how does my own brand um, dovetail with the brand of my business? Um, and if it's a one person show, it's often one and the same. Um, so uh, the first thing I do, and I do work a lot with entrepreneurs and small and growing companies, as well as really large companies. And what's interesting is the advice is really the same. Um, I, I really encourage uh, people as the first step um, is self-reflection and self, self-awareness and self-knowledge, right? Because you need to build your brand around something that's genuine um, for a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, if you just make something up and it's not true to who you are, um, your audience feels that right away and they won't connect with it or resonate with it or pay attention to it. Um, and secondly, for your own benefit, you know, if you're going to show up every day and do something, um, it had better be aligned with who you are, what you're passionate about, what your values are. Otherwise, you're not going to want to do it for very long and you're not going to be very good at it. So that's always the best first place to start. Um, and then there's, you know, there's other parts to that journey. Um, well, I got a, I got a caveat question here as you're talking, because, you know, in some of our past episodes, you know, we talk about self-reflection being a huge part in personal growth, wholeness, and well-being. And, you know, it's really awesome that you talk about that in terms of building your own brand. So I'm going to ask you the question, how does someone who is not so good at self-reflection practice that in a way that it's beneficial? Yeah, I think it's hard for all of us, first of all, to say. I don't think anybody is born being self-aware and good at self-reflection. I think it's a, it's a practice. Like you said, it's a habit like anything else and different people get there different ways. Um, you know, some of the tools that, that I've used are personally, um, I, you know, spent a long period of time in my life doing a lot of journaling, um, daily journaling. Um, more recently I have a daily practice of meditation, which is, is really helpful. I think that, you know, everybody needs to find their own way, but, um, but I think the characteristics of whatever that activity or habit you, you form that helps you with self-reflection are, you know, creating a time, uh, a, a kind of a blocked off time period in a regular cadence. So ideally daily, um, that's that you create solitude. So you're, you're alone, you're thinking about, you know, yourself by yourself. Um, although there are other practices like talk therapy, for example, which can also be very helpful, um, for, for self-reflection, which are with other people. Um, but I think having something where it's just you alone with yourself, um, which is really easy to avoid doing, um, can be really helpful. Um, so that might be, uh, you know, movement, um, you know, taking walks. Um, I'm also a visual artist. So for me, when I'm doing a particular, you know, like sketching in a, in a notebook, that's a very um, rhythmic kind of exercise. And I'm alone with my thoughts with that. Um, I think those can be some of the ways that people can start to build a practice. And then, you know, it's something that accumulates over time. Awesome. So going back to building personal branding, after one starts looking inward and in who they are as a person and the brand identity, what are some of the traits or aspects that someone should be looking for to, to kind of build around? Because 
you know, I don't know if you've ever taken one of these gifted tests or personality tests. And I often have realized when I take these, I struggle with the idea of like, well, I, I want to be this way but I'm actually not. And so, I mean, I'm authentic on the tests, but there's that desire that creeps in like, but, but I, but I really, I really want to be like this, but that's not authentic to who I am. So how do we go from that desire of, I want to be like this versus no, I'm actually built this way. Yeah, that's so true. Again, I think that's something that's true for all of us. And um, I've taken a lot of personality tests and and uh, strengths tests, and I you know I love those things. Um, but I would distinguish um, you know the kind of what you're good at or how you're wired, um, which is really helpful for understanding how you're going to run your business and how you're going to structure your time. Um, I would distinguish that from you know what I take people through in terms of branding is more about your values. So the goal in branding is to create the pillars of your brand, like what you're going to stand for uh, in the world as a brand. Um, And I think that's less about kind of how you operate and what you're good at and more about, you know, what you really value. And I think, you know, I personally used um, Brene Brown has a great values lantern exercise. And um, what I think, and, and it just, it's a handy list. It's available free online and it's a handy list of, a pretty comprehensive list of universal human values. What I thought was so excellent about the way that she presented it was that she forces you to get down to just two of them. And I think that speaks very much to what you're talking about. So you look at all of these values and all of them are appealing, right? You're like, oh yeah, I believe in that. I believe in that. I believe in friendship. I believe in community. You know, you want all of those, all of those are my values, right? But if you force yourself to get down to what are the two that really are what motivate you, that really are what make you tick. First of all, it's a really difficult thing for most of us to do. And um, for me, that was very transformational um, to really think about, no, those are the two things above all else that, and then I look back and I say, yeah, I can see how those two values actually have guided my decisions along my path. And I can now look, as I look forward, think about, you know, if I, you know, do I want to make choice A or choice B? And I kind of go back to those values and say, you know what, choice B is a little bit more that, you know, kind of who I want to be, but it's not really me. Um, And choice A really fits with who I am. Um, So I think that's a good place to start. And then in the branding exercise, we then flesh that out with Um, you know, how do you build your brand pillars around that and, you know, sort of a mission statement or a manifesto, you know, we believe this, um, we stand for this, that kind of stuff. Would you be open to doing some of this idea and coaching that way some people can figure it out and some of the questions related to, to the process and how, how to maneuver through it? Yeah. In fact, I, I do do that. I don't call it coaching, but I suppose it, it is. Um, the process definitely involves coaching, right? When I work with individuals um, and, and uh, you know, largely that's entrepreneurs, um, I have a workbook that I, that I take them through with a series of exercises. And then I work with them along that journey um, to sort of be the feedback um, loop, um, as they, you know, work through the workbook and then we talk through it. 
Gotcha. Well, I don't have your workbook here in front of me, but based off of what you know from our show so far, because you said two pillars, I, I believe we have six. It's faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun. And I don't specifically have a slogan or anything, but if I did, it would probably be learning how to live a life of significance in the areas that matter most, because I view those areas as a way that we are a whole person. And if we have one of those areas depleted, it tends to hurt every single other area. Yeah. And so I'm trying to, in my own life, be whole in all those areas, or at least on the same level. So, you know, assuming it looks like a tie, it's not a bumpy ride if one part is deflated or not. Is that, is that too many? Like, no, So I I would distinguish the values exercise that I described where you force yourself to get down to two values. I would distinguish that from what I would call what you have more of a framework. Um, And when I talk about pillars, it's almost never two pillars based on two values. The pillars can be, you know, three, five, seven pillars that your brand stands for, but they all ladder back to those core values. Right. And I think that if you're a values exercise, you would find, you know, two core values that are underneath, like, why did you build that framework? Right? Like, why, why is this your life purpose to help people through this process and to work on this for yourself? Um, But no, I think that that framework that you've built is um, really robust. And I think exactly as you said, having these different pieces of the tire, and you're working on different things at different times, and maybe one is making real progress, and the other is lagging, and, and that, you know, sort of works. Okay. Gotcha. I, I think I'm, I'm understanding because I guess I was looking at those as values versus pillars in the framework. And so the values in a sense would be one of them, I think would be learning how to live a, a life of significance in the areas of, that matter most. And I, I guess the, the other value would be wholeness. Um, maybe I need to readdress some of what I believe the values for the show is and, and, and life in general regarding it. Well, I'm happy to send you my values, uh, my the values workbook uh, after the show for sure. Perfect. What? Well, um, appreciate that. <laughs> but I think that you know, I think that you're like I would call that more like like I use the word framework. It's also a process. And so what's nice mm-hmm. about that is that that's something that people can take themselves through, or you can take yourself through and look at each of those areas of your, it's a very practical, actionable process or framework that you can kind of look at those areas of your life and look at, you know, where you are and where you want to be. How long would you say this process takes? The branding process? Yes. Um, so it really depends on where people are and how motivated they are to go through the process. But, you know, I think that you can do the, for example, go through the workbook. Um, usually people who are really motivated to get going um, will do that in a couple of weeks. Um, and so my own process with working with folks is, you know, we'll do sort of a week long, you know, you gather all your materials, all of the touch points, all of the uh, information that's out there in the world about you today and anything else that you want to bring into this branding process, spend a week doing that, maybe get some feedback from if you have customers that you can get feedback from. Um, and then we do like an hour long 
intake call, right? Where we kind of sift through all of that stuff and, and talk through, you know, where the brand is at today. Um, and then they spend a couple of weeks in that kind of reflection process, which there's two parts to that. One is looking inward and the other is looking outward, like thinking about who do you serve? You're like, who's your audience and what do they care about? And, and really building a, creating a portrait of who they are. Um, not just the sort of needs assessment, like, I mean, of course it's important. What role does your product play in their life and what are their unmet needs? That stuff is important for sure. But getting underneath that as well, like what motivates them, what drives them, what do they aspire to as human beings? Um, you know, what's the higher order need or aspiration that you're actually tapping into when you sell them a you know, cell phone or a bag of candy or whatever it is that you're selling. It's never just about the object. It's about how that makes them feel and who they want to be in the world and, and how they want to show up and what, you know, what role does your product or service play in that? Um, and so then putting those two things together, like who are you uniquely in the world and what do you offer and what do they specifically need um, that you can serve? And then coming out of that, you have your brand promise, right? Like you have your What's the thing that I uniquely offer that they actually need? Um, and so, you know, that's, it's, it's a fair amount of work. So it's, you know, a few week process. Um, and then there's on the back end kind of putting it all together. So what do you do with that information? Um, and then they need, you know, me or some combination of people to frame that in consumer facing language and visual uh, language, you know, so do you have a website or you communicating primarily through Facebook or Instagram? What does that look like? What are you saying about yourself? Like when you tell me about yourself, you have some really carefully crafted words that you use consistently. And that's what I think of as good branding, right? Like you've thought through um, what your offering is, why people need it, how it's helpful in the world, how it fits with what you care about. And you communicate that consistently as you talk to me on your website. Um, and that's, that's good branding. Awesome. Yes. I have good branding. I didn't know that. <laughs> You know, when I'm, when I think of branding, you know, it's really easy to pick out the well-known brands. So like, let's take Apple, for example, you know, when I, when people buy Apple products because they want to, not only do I think they have good products, but also there's something about that brand that relates to them and they want to say, well, I'm, I'm kind of like this. This is, this is a little bit like who I am. I'm artistic. I'm creative. I function easier. I'm, I might be a little more messy, but I'm more simplistic. You know, that's, that's what I think of Apple. And that's a lot of my personality as well. So I gravitate towards Apple products. How do we in ourselves kind of maybe build that on a smaller scale because I mean, the reality is someone like me or someone listening to this podcast becoming a next Apple is, you know, Princess Bride inconceivable almost. But in my community, I can build a well-known brand. And how do I get people to feel like, well, Evan's brand is who I am and then want to relate to me that way. That is for sure the Holy Grail. And I think that's what I was 
Meaning when you think about, you know, it's not just, okay, I need a cell phone. I can tell you all the things I use it for, what it does for me in my daily life. But I want to feel, as you said, creative, um, special. So when you think about like, okay, in your real estate business, when you think about, okay, people need to buy a house, fine. But how do they want to feel in that process? You know, maybe they want to feel like they're kind of in the know and they're, you know, really special. Maybe they want to feel like you're offering concierge service and you're, they're, you're pampering them. Maybe they want to feel like they're getting the very best deal and, you know, they have the inside scoop. I don't know. What are those things? You know, you tell me, what are those things that different, there's different segments of every market. And so maybe there's a segment of the market that you uniquely serve by making them feel a certain way as they go through that home buying experience. That's so you said something that I'm picking up on in my own life. When, when I have first time home buyers, I come at it from a very educational perspective because people want to learn and they feel intimidated and they feel anxious. And so I can help with that quite a bit on the selling side. I relate to the sellers differently. They want the best value. They want the best marketing. They want communication and they want to know that I'm just not there to put a sign in the yard and leave them. And so they want, they want more services. And that's kind of been my two niches, the way I, I've operated my business. So let me ask you this. Because there's so many different people and styles of how they want service, should I develop other styles of uh, relating to my customer? So that way, when I find one who, who might not relate so much, so let's say for a buyer who's buying their second or third home, you know, they're not going to need all that education, but they're going to probably want something, you know, less hectic, less stressful. Let's just get in, let's get out, you know, make the process easier. So I might relate to someone differently that way. But what I've realized is I'm coming at almost every situation from one of those two perspectives. And so quick, quick story here, and maybe you can point out my flaws and and teach me in this moment. Oh, what was it? Yes. Two days ago, Wednesday, I met a guy first time Panera bread he, he wants to buy a house. I came off really confident on the phone and he said, yeah, sure. I'll meet you. He's already kind of working with an agent, but isn't 100% committed. We start talking and for whatever reason, I felt so insecure around this dude because he's a military guy. He's tall, handsome, buff. Like I'm, I'm not as tall. I'm a little more squishy, but this guy just exuberated toughness and masculinity. And I just, I was awkward and I'm normally not that awkward. And by the end of it, you know, I I didn't, I didn't convert him by any means. So he was looking for probably someone a little bit more tougher, but out of my own insecurities, I flopped. So my question in all that is, do I just try to stick to those that I can relate to better or do I build a rhythm that way I can service many different clients as they come up or as needed? 
So there's two parts to that story, right? Like one is, or it's two questions in that story. One is um, about, you know, how you reacted in that moment. And by the way, I totally relate to that. There are just, every once in a while, I come across somebody who just makes me really nervous. <laughs> yeah. For, I don't know what reason, but just right. makes me insecure and I'm fumbling my words and uh that's not a pleasant feeling um but the other so that's something I guess I'm not exactly sure how to work on that but but you know there's probably some techniques to work on just being prepared for those moments but um but but in terms of your building your business I would say you know absolutely none of us can be all things to all people nor should we try right and so be yourself is the advice that I give in that, in that scenario and build your business around that goes back to like building your business around your own values and your own strengths, right? Build your business around being you, you are not going to be for everyone. And that's fine because by the way, you can't service everyone anyway. So you're going to find the minimum viable market that builds the business, you know, size and scale that you want. And you're going to kill it serving those people. And it's going to be much easier to do for you because you can focus on who they are. So, you know, for example, you asked the question about, um, you know, am I being too narrow in focusing on the buyer side? You know, you're all about education. So my question to you, if I were working with you as a client, I would say, have you thought about, um, you know, maybe you want to be the guy for first time home buyers? Maybe you don't, but that's a question that you need to ask yourself. And you could really make a position for yourself in the market by saying, I'm not going to, because by the way, what you don't do is as important as what you do do, right? So maybe you're not the guy for, if you've already bought a home, go work with somebody else. I'm the person who um, really knows how to work with, educate, handhold first-time homebuyers. So that that's, would be an option for you. Another option for you that I would, I would ask you the question is, if you want to serve all homebuyer, you know, all both experienced and new home buyers. Um, how can you position yourself as the education guy, right? Because those second time home, third time home buyers, they still maybe need education. Maybe it's a different kind of education, but you can still create a really interesting positioning around. I'm the person who's going to help you educate you about what's happening because not everybody is doing that for sure we're actually in the process of looking at buying a house. So I, you know, that's, that is something that's really important is to have the agent willing to answer your questions, be available always, you know, you don't feel, you know, you want to work with somebody that you don't feel like you're asking dumb questions or, you know, so there's definitely an opportunity to position yourself around that. And then we would work together to think about what does that look like? What are the words that I want to use on my website to, you know, bring that to life? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that narrowing your target is, um, helpful. And then once you've narrowed it down, as far as you want to go thinking about, you know, what is it that you, how do you articulate that kind of specific and unique positioning? And then, Oh, I wanted to say one more thing, which is, um, you know, back to that Apple example, you know, how do you, as an agent, how do you make them feel Right. How do you want to make them, how do they want to feel? Do they want to feel smart? Do they want to feel nurtured? Do they, you know what I mean? Do they want to feel, I don't know, but, but if you think through that, that will help you a lot with your positioning. You know, I actually wrote that down. How do they want to feel? Not how do I think they feel or how I want them to feel, but how do they feel? 
And one of the things that I've, as you were saying this, that as I quickly went through my repertoire of first time home buyers, one consistent theme has popped up when they ask a question, oh, this is probably a dumb question, but, you know, so there's a, hey, I need to know this. Sorry that I don't know this and I might be dumb. To which my normal response is, hey, that's a great question. Because one, I don't want them to feel dumb. And two, I want them to know that they can express any questions or concerns that they have because that's where they're at and and they just need to know. And so, you know, I've, I've unconsciously answered that way because I want them to feel a specific way. I don't want them to feel dumb or uneducated or that I have superior knowledge. Therefore, it makes it harder for me to be relatable. I don't know. Yeah. You want them to feel comfortable, right? right. You want them to feel accepted. Ooh. Yeah. That's and that's good. a nice feel. I want to feel that way in every situation. I certainly want to feel that way if I'm like looking at making a big purchase and it's a little bit anxiety laden and I want to be with somebody who makes me feel good about myself, right? And so whatever version of that uh, is relevant to your business. Mm, that's good. I, I, you know, I didn't pick up on, on this at all previously in my seven years of real estate, but I think you're right. I want people to feel comfortable and I want people to feel accepted because I hear horror stories of people being ran over by their agent and not listening to them. And that's because they were accepted. Yeah. Man, this is, this is good. Thank you. I'm so glad we're on this call. You're welcome. Another example I'll just throw out there because it's a really easy one to get your mind around for this concept. I used to do a lot of food branding and um, worked with one of the categories I worked in was breakfast cereal. And I think this is a really clear example, right? So you're, you're marketing breakfast cereal and you're talking about, as you should and need to, you're talking about the characteristics of that cereal, right? So it has you know, higher fiber or protein or lower sugar or, you know, and, or it's like fun to eat, it crackles it, whatever, you know, so you're going to talk about those things. But then when you think about like, who's buying it, well, the moms are buying it for their kids. Right. And what do they want? So they don't really care. I mean, they, they want it to have certain nutritional, but why do they want it to do that? Right. So there's always this balance, by the way, in that category of like, you want it to be something that's, good for your kids, or at least not bad for your kids, but you also want it to be something that they enjoy. And they're like, thanks so much, mom. Right. So, so the higher order need there is I want to feel like a good mom. That has nothing to do with cereal or food, right? It's a very high order need. I want to feel like a good mom. And there's parts to that. I want to feel like I'm making my kids happy and I want to feel like I'm making my kids healthy. And I think that's a really clear example of pulling apart like the characteristics of the product that you've got, which are, you know, not unimportant. They're of course important, but the, what really builds your brand and builds your relationship with your customers is how you make them feel. And if in that scenario, I want to feel good about myself shows up as I want to feel like a good mom. Mm. Okay. Wow. So if you could see and guys hear everything that's going on in my mind, 
All right. That's how, how can I articulate this? Okay. So let's move away from branding for a second, but take that principle and everything that you just said to our relationships in life. Yesterday, uh, I took my wife up to her office and my children were in the car. We, we know we need to lose weight, both of us. You know, I've, I've lost about 30 pounds. Well, my wife doesn't need to lose weight. She's pregnant. She gets a pass. But my kids are, are sugar addicts. I'm a sugar, a sugar addict. And so we always talk about being healthy and doing better. And, but yesterday, she comes out of the office with a crap load of candy to give to our children. And we just had this conversation like before we left about, you know, making sure our kids have a good diet. And she sits down in the car and, and this is exactly what happened. Like I, for whatever reason in that moment of said, of just like, why, why are you going against what we just talked about? I realized like, you know what? She did this because she wants to feel like a good mom. And so I responded to her. I was like, hey, I know you want to feel like a great mom by giving your kids something they want. I was like, but we, we just kind of talked about this is actually bad for them. We're seeing bad sugar habits in them because we're, we constantly cave. So what can we do to not do this? And there was no results. There was no answer. Um, but because I approached it differently this time, it didn't end up in a cat fight and me being severely wounded, <laughs> which was probably one of the first times I've recognized that. So how do we have conversations in our life where we go deeper and recognize the deeper need in people, the deeper want that's below the surface and to be able to communicate that way. Because essentially that's what branding is, is communicating to people in the way that they feel most important. And so how do we do that on a relational level? Yeah, that's such a powerful insight to think about how you can use that recognition of the higher order need in every context. And by the way, I think I always talk about the brand being a relationship, right? A brand is, is a friendship. Um, and so of course that makes sense that that extends to every type of relationship. And the example that you just gave was an example of you tapping into that higher order need. So not just sticking at, she brought candy, candy is bad. Why the heck would you do that? right? You were able to go, why did she do, like, why actually did she do that? Before you talked to her about it, you were able to see that, you know, higher order need that she had, that she was fulfilling by doing that and address that with compassion, right? I think that improves our relationships many fold, just that step. Mm. You know, and I got to be honest for, to you and for everyone that's listening, that's, that's, that's not my normal response. I, I typically like, we just talked about this. Why, you know, I'm trying to understand, like we made this plan and then now you're not following through with it. Like help me. And then she feels attacked. She feels um, not heard all rightfully so because it goes back to that need. So for the fact that this worked out pleasantly a few days ago, and now we're talking about this kind of is making me rethink not only relationally with her, but even with other people to think about what's their higher priority need that is there, but unspoken. 
Yeah. I mean, this is such a bit, this is such a powerful one, right? We can all, uh, I think everyone can relate to this, right? We, we always get it, not always, but all of us have that instinctive, like go to, to like, why would you do that? Right. But like the argument about taking out the trash is never about the actual trash. It's about like, why do you never help out around the house? I don't feel appreciated. I do everything. Or, you know, it's about other stuff, not the thing you're actually arguing about. Right. Man, I did not think branding would, would go into this area of relational, uh, dynamics of life, but it really does. And it's just given me a different perspective that until this conversation, I just didn't have. Well, that's what actually got me interested in branding because I was working in a strategy uh, firm, strategy consultancy, and I started doing, started working in their consumer practice. And we started doing a lot of consumer research, like qualitative research, where we would do focus groups and one-on-one interviews, go into people's homes, do ethnographies. And what got me really interested was hearing people talk about their relationships with everyday products and brands in such an intimate, emotional way. Right. And I thought, wow, what are these brands doing that they occupy a role in people's lives? That's like a really important friendship. You know, they have a real relationship with these people. And what's that actually about? And so that the nature of that, the humanity of that and the relationship aspect of it is actually what I find really interesting about branding. So how, how do we go about building those relationships? Because, you know, take for the podcast, for example, you know, I want people that listen to this to reach out to me. I want them to email me. I want them to find me on Facebook. You know, I, I put stuff out there and I get a few inquiries, but not a lot, which is fine. You know, if they don't, if it's just entertaining to listen to and, and motivational, that's fine but I want to build a community. I want to be of service and and build relationship with people because right now, specifically, even during COVID, I feel like that's what so many people are, are in need of is relationships. And I want to be able to help foster that and, and build community where people can talk to one another who are wanting to be a whole person or are struggling in faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun. Because I got to tell you, if it wasn't for, one of my mentors last year that gave me advice on, on finances, I, I would be devastated right now through COVID. But because I took his advice long before COVID even came out, it, we got protected. We got, we got um, protected, yeah. And then, you know, I'm not going to go into this other story. Never mind. So how, how do we build intimate relationships? I think if you use the friendship analogy, it's really helpful, right? Like, how do you build a friendship? You know, part of it is just putting yourself out there and that can feel vulnerable, but, you know, showing someone in this case, showing your audience for your brand um, or, you know, somebody that you want to be friends with, uh, show them who you are, um, which can feel scary. Um, but is the necessary first step. Um, And then you, over time, you build trust, right? Like you show up 
when you say you're going to show up, you deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Um, you make promises and then you keep them. You act with kindness and compassion and humor. Right. Um, and so I think that's a helpful analogy. The other thing that I would say that I've noticed with um, some folks that whose brands I've interacted with is in this world where everything feels kind of mass market and scalable and this idea that you can like put up a website or a, a you know social media account and like the whole world can see it. And we sort of have this expectation that I'm going to put up this social media account and the whole world's going to come see it. It doesn't actually work like that, right? It's you build those followers and those relationships really one by one. It's actually not that um, automated or scalable. I mean, maybe there are people who are doing different things in different ways, but you're working every day to put stuff out there that's relevant, that's meaningful. And the people that I know who are doing that well are doing it in such a high touch old school way, like, uh, you know, reached out personally, scheduled a 20 minute call, reached out personally to each person that, that they wanted to build their, um, in this case, I'm thinking about two networking groups that I'm part of, um, personally reached out and took the, you know, hundred, uh, people that he really wanted to be part of this consulting group to lunch. That's how he started it. That's a, that's a big time commitment. It's a very in-person high touch strategy that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even consider doing. Um, another group that I'm part of, uh, like a women's networking group, um, the founders reaching out personally to, I can only imagine how many people, um, to schedule 20 minute calls. How's it going? How's this work? How can we make this better as we go through COVID as the business model has changed? I think that is, uh, it's very powerful when you're on the receiving end of that to be recognized personally in a world where nothing feels personal. Um, so that's, an, that's just a strategy that I might suggest trying. You know, speaking of feeling personal in a world that doesn't feel personal, there's two companies that come to mind that are polar opposites of each other, Walmart and Amazon. You know, I have a Walmart less than half a mile from my house. It's really easy to run to if I need something. But I tell you what, I don't buy my groceries from there. I actually buy groceries from a place seven miles away. It's a little bit less, but customer service is so much more personable. If I have an issue, it's easier to take care of. When I have a product at Walmart, half a mile away, or a product on Amazon, sometimes the product on Amazon might be just a little bit more expensive, and it'll take two or three days to get to my house. I will buy that product on Amazon over just running real quick to the store to get what I want. Because I've developed, like you've said, a relationship with Amazon to where I trust them. Because if there's an issue... They don't make it difficult for me to return it. Yeah, I have to take it to a drop-off return location, but I know I'm going to get my money back. I know that they're going to still care for me as a person and that there's going to be no issues. I don't have to stand in a line. They're easy. But if I try to take something back to Walmart, oh dear God, it's, it's like, I think I'd rather have a root canal 
because it's just not as fun of a process. I have better time at my dentist who I went to yesterday than I do going to Walmart to take something back. So I just, I don't know when you're saying not only the personal relationship, but also uh, trust consistency, right? All of those things that build, let's say a friendship and also build a brand those are really important. And that's such a powerful story. And you know, what's even crazy. So we have Amazon prime, they get delivered to our house, you know, whatever we want. We have their video feature and we have their music, Amazon music. So there's three major areas that they are playing a role in our life. Um, you know, I use, Alexa. I use Alexa over Siri because even though I love Apple, Siri's not that great. And so how do we develop multiple areas instead of just one area where like Walmart fits the need for me? Like, man, I I need something right now. So I'm just going to run to Walmart versus where Amazon, they, she's in my living room. She's on my TV. She sends me stuff, you know, or she, Alexa, Amazon, all the above. How do we develop multiple entry points into a person's life to have a relationship with them? Yeah. I think that's a great place to think about in, you know, in your business and for all of us in our businesses, right? So, we figured out what market we're serving. So there's different ways to grow, right? Like you can, um, you know, do what you do for a new market where you can do new things for your existing market. And so you're describing like, I have, I mean, Amazon is, of course, they are the exception to the rule. Like you can't be open to all people. So that's, you know, the caveat that, but, but let's say you have- Well, they didn't start that way. They did not start that way. They grew into that. And part of the way that they grew into that was, as you're saying, let's offer more things. So, you know, back in the day it was books and then it was other products. And then it was this, right? Like all these different streams of, I'm going to play multiple roles in your life. Um, So I think that's a, you know, part of, part of branding and people who do branding. One of the things they do also is innovation. So I also, you know, which is different from branding is sort of positioning, like, who are you? Who do you serve? How do you serve them? Innovation is like, what's, what, what's next, right? How do I grow? And I think you're describing one of the key ways to approach innovation, which is, you know, how do I take my existing loyal, target market base, um, that I have a relationship with. And are there other things I can do for them that still Mm. fit with my, you know, my values, maybe don't fit with my skills, by the way, maybe I need to partner with or hire somebody, but it fits with kind of the persona and like who, who my business wants to be, who I want my business to be and who my business wants to be in the world. Um, and you know, what, what are the other ways that I can be helpful to them? And this goes back to, if I understand that higher order need, right? I want to feel creative. I want to feel smart. I want to feel like a good mom, whatever that is. What are the, that helps open up the playing field of like, you know, okay, I make cereal. So maybe I can make a different flavor of cereal. Oh, I make moms feel good about themselves. 
wow, that opens up a whole new field, right? Right. Oh, I don't know. I'm, it's, uh, you want me to just ramble about branding all day? I can sure do that. But uh, mm-hmm. I think it's more interesting to hear what ideas this is sparking for you. Well, you know, as you were talking about, I, I wrote this down. Let me find this here. What are other things that I can do for my base to help them in other areas of their life outside of just being here on a podcast? And my mind started just running as I was listening to a different, like, I was like, no, try to pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. And then my mind was just like off coming up with ideas. And I'm trying, what it comes to is finding different entry points in people's lives. You know, so like for you on that front. So if I'm thinking about what you told me, I'm thinking about so real estate, buying a house is something that feels intimidating. It feels very big. It feels like something I don't know very much about, especially if I've never done it before or if I'm entering a new category or a new market or whatever. And you're the person who makes it sort of feel all okay. And you're going to hold my hand and teach me what to do. So what are the other areas in people's lives that fit that, that description, right? Mm. There are many others. Hmm. And, and, you know, crazy idea. Maybe you're not the real estate guy. Maybe you're the guy that, you know, maybe you're like the life concierge, right? (laughs) I'm going to help you decode the big, scary things. Uh, I don't know, getting your will done. That's not that that's a business you want to get into, but like, I'm just trying to, there's like these things, right. That are, uh, grown uping is hard. And one of them is buying a house, but what are the others? And you know, insurance and insurance. Yes. That would be a big, uh, platform for you to extend into with that brand positioning. Well, what's crazy is I used to sell insurance before I got into real estate, hated insurance, got into real estate, uh, but now if I ever wanted to pivot back, I would always add that onto, I wouldn't go back solely and I wouldn't do it through a company. I'd go independent. So I wouldn't be a captive agent, but that would be another way of servicing a client. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Man, you're giving me a lot to think about. <laughs> so, but at what point though, because I feel like, I feel like before I pivot into adding something, I got to be better at what I'm currently doing before I add something else. I'm develop more systems, develop more people. That way I'm not just the only one doing it, you know, slowly building like Amazon did. So how, what's the rhythm and timings of, of how to know when to, to innovate and to find other areas of entry? Yeah. I mean, it's different for everyone, right? It it depends on, you know, as an entrepreneur, it really depends on your personal goals. Um, So are you itching to really grow your business, both from a revenue and profit perspective and also like, you know, it, it lights you up to think about having a staff and having bigger office, you know, like that's something you have an appetite for um, versus maybe you're in a time in your life where you're pretty busy with other stuff and you actually need a, the most streamlined way of making 
the best, most profitable business you can, but not necessarily growing. So those are some things to think about before you even think about innovating. Um, and then to your point, you know, do I want to innovate within my existing business? So that's not necessarily about growing, but maybe it's about being more profitable, being more time efficient, um, being just better at serving my, my customers. Um, or um, do I want to grow into a new space? So do I want to open up a new target market or do I want to serve my existing base, as you said, with new services? Um, and so that's just an exercise to do again, like sort of a self-reflection exercise, but you know, the innovation version of, you know, who, who do, who does this company want to be when it grows up and, and when do we want to do that and, and what makes it feel right now versus in the future. Um, and then you get to the work of, okay, so what are those innovation ideas? And you know, finally long down the road after all of that saying, which one, which one or two of these is actually viable and makes sense for me to try. Interesting. Cause I think my next step regarding real estate would probably be to get like a broker's license so that I can affect more families through agents. Um, that's just one idea, I guess. So, well, I know we're coming down here to the wire because we, we agreed to one hour. So thank you, Susan, so much for coming on. Before you go, I have three questions that I like to end each show with. The first one regarding self-talk. What negative self-talk have you had in the past or currently struggle with that you're working through? Oh, hard to choose just one. <laughs> no, I mean, this is something I think uh, everyone suffers from that reel in your head that goes, am I really, so here's, here's one for me. Um, am I really good enough? You know, is, is what I've done good enough? Am I good enough to do that thing that I want to do? And um, it's, it's such a unproductive exercise to ask yourself that question. Yes. Okay. So here's the next one. What brings you peace? Oh, that's a beautiful question. So I think I mentioned before, I have now developed in the last three, four years uh, of daily meditation practice. And that is a great source of peace, uh, no matter where I am and what's happening. Um, and then for me, another big source of peace is when I can be in a really beautiful, natural environment, you know, and, and part of that is because I live in New York city. And so I'm central park. <laughs> well, that not quite does it for me, but you know, that can be a quick fix. But, um, for me getting out of the city and being, you know, with water, trees, sky with not a building in sight is like a real sort of detox palate cleanser, uh, peaceful experience. Last question. What is the best decision you've ever made? Oh, marrying my husband. I think choosing your partner is uh, a big decision and one we don't always realize is as big a decision as it is, you know, especially yeah. when we're done. Um, but having somebody that, you know, sees you fully and respects you and supports you and accepts you for exactly what you are is uh, incredibly energizing. Right. I actually got married when I was 22. So I was pretty young. And I think to myself, who the heck 
thought it would be okay for me to make a decision on who I should marry at 22. Luckily, I picked an amazing person, but you are absolutely right. It, being Picking a good spouse is is very critical to the development of how life happens and the peace and the harmony in the home. So, And there is for sure some luck involved, as you said. Very much, yeah. Because the thing is, too, is we are two completely different people from when we first met. So it's even as you grow and change into two different people that you're still able to make things work. So, well, Susan, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. What a blessing to have you and your wisdom and knowledge and a lot of your thought provoking stuff about branding, how to personalize it and how to take it from just, you know, this idea that we're doing to get clients, but to build relationships with. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thank you so much, Evan. What a fun conversation. Good. Have a great day. You too. When I started this podcast, it was important for me to lead by example, that I wouldn't hide behind a fake mask acting like I've arrived and speaking from the mountaintop. My whole purpose was to be vulnerable about where I was, my failures, my struggles, and my successes, so that I could be a bridge, that I could be a gap in this process of showing people how to change in the areas of faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, and fun, because that's exactly where I'm at and what I'm doing. And I had a coach years ago, and he was the first coach I've ever had. And he did it for a very affordable rate because I couldn't afford anything more than what he offered me. But he told me this, Evan, someday you're going to get in a spot where you're going to be able to give back to others. And I want you to remember what I'm doing for you here and now that it's made affordable so that you can actually go through it. He goes, I believe in you and I trust that you'll do this. And so because of that, it resonated within me that at a certain point when I felt I've had enough hard knocks that I had something to offer other people, I would start a coaching program. And this is that. I am now starting a coaching program and I'm going to make it affordable because by the graces of someone else that helped me out when I was first starting my journey, I wanted to do the same for other people. So I'm going to offer a free 15-minute coaching phone call to anyone that wants it. You can go to the website, thewholepersonpodcast.com and sign up for that free coaching phone call. And if you're looking to have a longer extended coaching relationship outside of that first 15-minute phone call, I have the prices right up front. I'm open about it. And I'd be more than happy to see if we'd work well with one another and can help you reach and achieve the goals that you have in life. Guys, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the show.